Hello fans, and thank you for tuning in to episode one of the Roasted Podcast. In this episode, I was joined by Olympian discus thrower, Matthew Denny. Matt is a two-time Olympian and a Commonwealth Games silver medalist in hammer throw. His journey started in a small Queensland town called Alora, and we chatted about his beginnings in a small town playing rugby league to the biggest stage of them all in athletics. Matt has achieved so much in such a short time. A youth world champion at 17, silver medalist at the Commonwealth Games at just 22, and a fourth place finish in just his second Olympics at 25 years of age. I was honoured to have Matt as my first guest, and I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. Thanks again for listening. Welcome to the Roasted Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Messida, and today I am joined by a Commonwealth Games silver medalist, a two-time Olympian, the 2010 Waddles Warriors best and fairest in under-14s, vice-captain of the Rugby League Olympian Roasted Squad, and best known around the world as Brendan Stark's roommate. Coming off the back fence, it's Matthew Denny. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Mate, absolutely fantastic. I appreciate your time, and thank you so much for coming on. Um, you're uh, out of all those intros that I just gave you. Which one do you prefer? Um, the Brandon Stark roommate is pretty pretty ripper, but I reckon the um, Waddles Warriors uh, best first definitely is taking the t- taking the cake. Mate, is, is that when you peaked in rugby league? That was mate. I was playing good footy then. I was playing good footy. Um, yeah, no, it was yeah. That was that was a good time. I that was second last season in footy, so. Um, I was kind of starting to like learn how to be more aggressive when I was playing footy and stuff and like using my size and then like kind of I started playing really good footy and then yeah broke my collarbone and then went to Toowoomba Grammar game of the union wasn't able to play league and I was like nah let's I want to focus on ass and that kind of just transpired from there. We're gonna get to a little bit of that um, later on and your journey from you know your junior football to to athletics and, and then the Olympics but um couple of things just to sort of, you know, touch on to, to get us started. A few rugby league questions um, related around uh, you. Uh, what's the team yeah. you, grew, you grew up supporting and, and do you still follow them? Yeah, so I grew up in Alara, so I obviously played for Waddles Warriors and all that sort of stuff. But when I, like, was supporting um, NRL, like, I was mainly Brizzy. Um, and I still back Brizzy because, obviously, I live in, in Brisbane and that. Um, but, I'm, like, I've been enjoying watching, like, Rabbitohs and even the Penrith boys, like, just like the young squad and stuff like just that kind of um like i'm not a huge watch it every night but they're kind of the teams i mainly watch when it comes to games so yeah and obviously they're, they're the entertaining teams as well so um favorite player as a kid and, and are they still your favorite player now or have you got a you got a new one favorite player um i definitely have to say be between webkey and i mean i used to gordon talis was a, just a freak like i used to love talis and the way that he played um and you know and so my brother jonathan so he played for um brisbane and um canberra Raiders and stuff back in um late 90s so 
you know, him telling me stories about all those boys when he was in um, those squads, like just, you know, Talos's work ethic, I think made me really like even invest more in, into what he did. Um, so yeah, you know, like a lot of those Broncos boys and even Lockie are like kind of that, that era slash crew um, were my main, main lookups. Yeah, those those late '90s were, um, or the all through the '90s, those Brisbane Broncos teams were, were amazing. So, um, your favorite footy food? Favorite footy food? Yeah, like if you go to the footy, is there a, you know something oh, that you, you hook into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely get around some potato gems. <laughs> potato gems, maybe uh, maybe a pie or um, yeah, maybe just a pie and a diet coke. Who knows? <laughs> Gotta, they're using my go-to. <laughs> yeah, you got to get a meat pie. As long oh, as they're, as long as they're not um, left in the uh, the cooker for you know since nine o'clock that morning, you're getting about three o'clock. Yeah, in the getting afternoon. soggy and stale. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't get around that at all, mate. If there's uh, a team that you could come into right and play right now, which team would you want to play for? Um, definitely not Bulldogs. Um, <laughs> probably not Storm. I'd probably I I don't know Broncos. Broncos have seem like they've got like a good little community in there like they've um you know and i know a couple of those guys um with Oatsy and all that he's um cousins with one of my mates i grew up with um at school so i'd probably say i'd probably say broncos nice they could use you i think (laughs) i think so too (laughs) mate you're going through so you just finished uh olympics um you're in quarantine at the moment so we just want to check on you just to see you know what are some of the things that are getting you through with Followed uh, along with your, your TikToks and your Nutella and Chalky Milk, but uh, you know how's things and, and who are you based near around some of the teammates and stuff? Yeah, so you know it's quarantine's quarantine. It's not not anything anyone wants to do, but you know we're pretty fortunate that we were able to travel and come back and you know all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, you know I've been making these dumb TikToks because usually I like just to joke around on videos, so that's been going well. Um, what else just been i've been replying to a lot of messages like just trying to get back to like the people that have reached out and you know they have had a lot of messages saying about like just inspiring their kids which was really like really nice to hear because that's kind of at the end of the day like what we want to do in our sport is to like inspire people to join and to enjoy our sport with us so um mainly that and then obviously indoor media and just kind of sitting and talking with um I got Hannah Bassick on my right, um, our 100 meter sprinter, our female 100 meter sprinter, and then Henry Frayne, one of our um, male long jumpers, on my left. So, you know, we can't. We obviously, when we go outside in our balconies, we have to have a mask on, and you know, you can't go past a certain part of the balcony into someone else's. So, we just, you know, it's nice to sit out front, play some music, and just kind of sit and chat, and um, kind of talk about what happened and what is and future and just everything in general. Been enjoying your uh, Instagram lives as well with uh, Peter Bowl and and Starkey, so keep the, keep them up. Yeah, no, they've been alright. Like I, the funny thing was, but with Bowlies was I wasn't even that wasn't even planned. I kind of just joined the live, and I was like, "Hey, man!" And he just I just get this request. Peter Bowl wants you to join the live video. I'm like, "All right, we're on." And uh, yeah, like and Bowley and I um, are both from uh, like well, I'm from Allara, but like we um, also came out of Toowoomba as well. So, you know, we've got a lot of that history and coming from and stuff. So, um, you know, and we're good mates. So it was a good little chat. And Starkey and I just kind of, you know, bored, not rooming together. Might as well cut some topics and answer some questions from people. So it's been going right. No, they've been, they've been good. So uh, I'll look forward to them over the next, next week. Um, 
Mate, let's talk a little bit about your life growing up in, in Alora. Am I saying that right? And um, and your junior Alora, Alora, sorry, and uh, your junior yeah, rugby yeah. league career. So, uh, when did you start playing? And, and we've touched on your local team, the um, uh, the Water Warriors. Um, but yeah. just talk about your junior career. You know, growing up playing footy. Yeah, so like I did a lot of sports when I was growing up. Um, so I was like swimming, footy, athletics, and kind of I even did motocross and like a lot of other things in between. So. Um, you know, I didn't start playing footy until about um, under 10. Um, but I obviously grew up surrounded by footy and um, all my brothers were, you know, really good footy players, played for Waterloo Day grade and then a lot with um, Clyde Styles, uh, like Toowoomba Clyde Styles and then even um, one of my brothers going to like NRL and stuff. So, you know, footy was mainly my focus and I always wanted to be an elite sports person and originally that was for NRL um and then yeah i kind of just progressed from there and then i started taking footy a little bit more seriously and athletics was kind of just like something i did and didn't really have a coach or anything um and then yeah i played all the way up until under 14s under 15s um and then yeah i broke my collarbone in possible probables for southwest mustangs trial um that was when i got um um best and fairest um like player of the carnival and stuff and then but yeah i got my my collarbone got broken by my own teammate uh, that i was playing with in that um in that series and then he was against me in the possible probables and i got jersey slight like i ran like so i just came off the bench and i was basically like back right side um they did a short punt kick, kick off and then I, I took that straight out of it ran over, like i ran over the top of him but he went dirty on me and grabbed me by the jersey and slung my shoulder straight into the ground. Um, so I just like took took direct impact. Um, I mean, the idiot was praising to everyone about it. It was just like, mate, you, you did a cheap shot on me. So, um, yeah, so I was out for most of the rest of that season. Then we came back and uh, we had grand final against Gundawindi. We lost that. Um, and then, yeah, I had a, I didn't play any more. I think that was my last NRL. Uh, NRL. That was my last uh, game of footy. And then, yeah, I went to Toomagrama, played one or two games of trial matches for Union, didn't enjoy it at all, um, especially, you know, when my throwing started to take off. And then, yeah, within within that um, two games, I said, no, I'm going to focus on athletics. And, yeah, went from there. A lot of people um, really didn't like, like, especially, like, all my old footy coaches and, you know, even first 15 coaches at um because i was like caught in the um in the looking for the first 15 even for in grade 10 um and i just like no nah, like i'm not doing this i want to focus on my athletics and yeah a lot of people didn't like that because i was by far the biggest out of all the boys and then yeah it kind of just went from there and then two years later i won world youth and then everyone decided they wanted to be my friend again so it was it's was kind of an interesting trans uh trans um transpiring of of that but yeah like i do miss footy like i do look back and i did really really enjoy it and like i did enjoy the teammate stuff um like the team sport stuff but the athletics for me was you know because i was so competitive and i really wanted to do well in sport um i really really didn't enjoy the fact that i had to rely on others um to be able to get a a great performance um you know you could put all in the hard yards but if there's people like slacking like in they're weakening that chain like it was just something that really really ate at me so 
but with, with athletics, it was so self-reliant, like whatever you put in, you got out kind of thing. So um, that was one of the big changes that I wanted to make. You mentioned, um, you know, leaving rugby league and, and then once you had success in, in discus at the, um, at the junior champs that everyone sort of wanted to become your friend again. How, how hard was it like being in from a small, small town? I'm, I'm from a small town as well. Like there's so many sports that everyone, you know, wants people to, to play and push them towards certain things. How hard was it taking that, I suppose, rejection or or um, them not wanting to 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 talk to you, you know, about rugby league anymore and and focus on this other uh, on discus? Yeah, well, like you know, I was really fortunate. Like coming from you know, Aller is like a very footy dominated town, but you know, everyone, um, everyone that that wasn't like a, a, a main footy coach other than the footy coaches everyone was so supportive in what i was doing because i was doing well at that time anyway like i'd won nationals and doing medals and all that sort of stuff so everyone was very proud and really supporting me for that so that was amazing like i i always am so thankful coming from a small town and like supporting endeavor of doing something different from footy and and focusing on becoming an olympic champ um and yeah, but it was just mainly the footy coaches. But, you know, it was definitely difficult at um, at grammar because it was, you know, it's mainly a um, rugby union school. And, you know, because I was so much bigger than a lot of the other guys, they really wanted me to play because they knew that I played. And, like, just with, you know, not pumping up my tyres, but, like, I was good at footy. Um, like, they were kind of angry in that fact. And they also didn't understand, like, the with athletics, like, there's a lot more um like intrinsic real tiny um small detail stuff that you need to do um with recovery and the stand so like i would cop a lot for just you know being doing that kind of stuff and because i wore tights um when i competed and because i wore recovery gear and blah 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 like you were just kind of seen as this tool bag that was like full of himself but it wasn't really that it was just that people didn't I feel like there's like an, sometimes there's an issue within like Australian sport where like if you are proud of what you do or like you focus on like your own endeavor or like anything around that side of things, you're perceived as like arrogant um, or, um, you know, it's not for the boys or whatever, stuff like that. So that was kind of difficult to deal with. But, you know, I had really good mates that still supported me through that um, and like what I wanted to do. And I knew at the end of the day what I wanted to do and, you know, if people were going to brag on me for that, like, you know, don't don't get mad with me just because I'm wanting to do what I want to do. Like, you know, it's my life. I want to succeed in whatever I enjoy doing. So just because you want me in your first 15 doesn't mean I'm going to do it. So, There is a fine line between arrogance and, and confidence, isn't there? Like, you know, percep- perception-wise. Um, 100%. But, yeah, no, well done. Um, what uh, – why discus? Is there, like, you know, did you – um, sort of do it a little bit while you while you're playing rugby league, or was it just all all different sort of track stuff and you just picked it up? Or I think so. Like it was, you know, I was kind of like um, I was kind of built to to throw, and um, but it's not really. It wasn't that I was really drawn to. Oh, I want to go throw disc, but it was that like, you know, I was doing it and I was enjoying it, and because like a lot of people like you look at it right, and a lot of people seem like you just throw the thing, um, but with the actual training that you do it's so like complex and there's so many different moving parts and the fact of like you know technical stuff weight training you know 
doing gymnastics, being flexible, explosive, um, you know, balanced and like all these different key parts of being a full athlete, um, you know, it's probably one of the most challenging things you can do when it comes to being the best at it. Um, and that's kind of what I enjoy and especially the technical aspect of like piecing together something to be perfect, but nine times out of 10, no one finds the perfect throw um, and not many people will. And it's like that pursuit of something that's nearly there. And even when you like, even your best throws that you ever do, you're always still like, oh, I could have done this better. And I could do this better. So it's kind of like that addiction to that. Um, but I just enjoyed the training of it. Like, um, like in the way of getting better, I enjoy the, the competition side of things. Like it's so self-reliant. It's very like mentally challenging to, um, to step out there and put everything on the line and be like, say for the Olympics, you gotta be very, very vulnerable that, you know, you could potentially just choke and sometimes you just don't know why. Um, and things don't go together as, as what you would want or your prep wasn't as good and you have to wear that on your sleeve no matter what. And the whole country is watching. So, um, it's a very, it's a, it's a pretty crazy experience, but it's very addicting to do. Like it's very enjoyable. So that's the main reason, um, that I enjoy doing it. I uh, checked out your um, your podcast um, and where you you went through all your coaching and and you you paused at certain points and your your arms are at different angles and you wanted to be higher or lower at certain points and I think anyone that especially me that's not watched that much discus to go and watch that and go you know, sort of understand and appreciate a little bit more of how much goes into a single throw like you step up and you throw it and it might take you know. 10 seconds but the the amount of training and and focus that you go on a certain millisecond of each throw is just amazing for me yeah well it take like that's what i mean like the crazy part about it like i've been doing this um properly like with a coach since 2009 2010 um and you know the fact that we're still we're still we're not even in our like peak or prime like we're still progressing especially into the open ranks and whatever um yeah, it's, it's very, you know, and it's so physics-based um, and it's just, you know, you literally have to use your brain to put this puzzle together and learn where your balance is, change your angles and it's, you know, there's a lot of causation and reaction effects within the throws. So some, I don't know if you saw within the video, like I talked about in those throws where something at the back was causing an issue at the front and then, you know, you have to fix that chain but then sometimes it might be another technical aspect and it's trying to like, okay, well, I need to create this and then make it simple enough to apply it and then apply it and then apply it a thousand times. So then it's, you know, repetition in your head. So yeah, it, it's, um, I, yeah, I think it's so complex that, um, you know, sometimes it drives you insane, but it's kind of just what it is like. And that's kind of the addiction part of it. It's just really trying to key together and find your best throw that you possibly can do. So yeah, if, if anyone, you know, wants to, to see more of that, you can head to, to Matt Denny's uh, YouTube. Is it just Matt Denny? Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, Matty Denny on Instagram, uh, Matty Denny on YouTube, and then I have Facebook as well. But my, most of my stuff is on my Insta and my YouTube when it comes to – and Spotify, so Inside the Cage with Matty Denny. Yep. Amazing to, for, you know, like I said, for me that hasn't watched that much to sort of learn about that, it's, it's quite, quite, um, uh, quite good. Um, Thank you. Your biggest changes to your, your body, you, you said you've always sort of been a, a big guy, but um, there's a big changes going from like a, you know, rugby league at, at 15 to, you know, winning 
the youth championships at 17, what were the biggest changes to your body and, and your diet? So like a lot of it's, um, a lot of the changes when I was younger was more, um, you know, throws, repetitions, strength and power development, as well as like athletic, uh, athleticism development. Um, but from there and being, it's just like that continuous progression. And, you know, when I got to 2016 and at Rio, like I was quite young, but I was still like 125 or whatever, but my body composition then compared to now is totally different. Like I'm 130 now, but you know, I'm a hundred and I think I'm 105, um, like lean muscle, um, lean muscle mass. Whereas back then I might've been only like 90, 92, uh, 94 or something. So like, it's just like development of muscle mass. So you're trying to get, you're trying to be much bigger and stronger and powerful. And you like trying to play with this scale of too much strength, you're slow, too much speed, you're um, weak. It's trying to find between and manage those two, as well as being, you know, managing mass and, you know, you're trying to be as big as possible, but not slow. So you have like momentum and mass behind the throw, um, but still athletic and, um, you know, fast throughout the movements and stuff so you know it's it's the management of those but most of it is just like just developing your body in general like being an athlete like being athletic and being you know all key facets together you you won the um the youth championships at 17 is that right uh yeah so world youth in 2013 yep and then you um uh, went on to your first olympics in in 2016 so just explain like you know um, some of the some of the changes because I know the discus you throw at uh, junior levels like one point five kilo and the one at the Olympics is yep. is two kilo. So, what's the um you know how did you sort of manage that over those first few years to to go from those low weights to the high weights or are you always practicing at a at a higher weight and then go into the youth at, at the lower? Yeah, so like when you start in like certain weights, you definitely manage um, overweights and underweight work to get you stronger for bigger weights as well as like just being strong specifically to that weight. But so um, under 18s, you're, um, which is world youth, you're 1.5. Under 20s, you're 175. And then over one over 20s is uh, two kilo open weight, which is what I'm on now. So it's it's just literally a management of that. Like even when I was in, when I was 16, like I was still throwing a two kilo disc because it's not too heavy, but it's still making you stronger in your throw in general and like throwing an overweight. Um, so it's just, it's just like progressively overloading, but getting used to that. So that's kind of how that works. And then that, you know, that's the other part of it is like being specifically strong to your event, like actually training the movement specifically in different ways to be able to be strong while you're throwing. Olympics at um, 20 years of age, how, was, how special was the experience and, and what were your biggest takeaways from that? Yeah, it was weird. Um, you know, it was a really, like, we had to peak and do a lot of stuff to, um, you know, in my peaking process and make sure that I was fresh as possible throughout the whole season to give myself the best shot um, to even qualify. So qualifying was the main thing and just getting there. Um, but then I was also, like, I felt like I was in a form where I could have done well and made the final, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't compete as well as what I wanted. Um, but, like, it was nice to be in a position where like I felt comfortable when I was out there. Like I wasn't intimidated by people. Like I didn't, even though I'm like smaller than some others, um, I wasn't intimidated by that fact. Um, so that was kind of the biggest takeaway for me. Like I felt like I was in the sport that I really wanted to do and I felt comfortable and I felt like, you know, the successes that I want to get to are like definitely achievable. Um, and, you know, I guess last week showed that as well and just cemented that in my mind. 
Um, but it was def it's definitely a different experience um, doing that. And because I was so young, like just learning and, you know, doing that was, you know, a pretty huge experience for me. Um, and I learned a lot of things like, you know, feeling that I was comfortable and kind of just, yeah, cementing everything that I wanted to do. What's, what's it like when you, um, you're there and with the other, other guys around you competing against? Is it, is it a bit frosty between you or is it all sort of you know each other, you compete against each other regularly throughout you know, the, the four years before an Olympics and things like that? Is it you, your mates? Do you get along or is it yeah, a bit frosty? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, um, I, I think that everyone's a little bit too friendly. Um, you know, I, I enjoy that, like, you know, a little bit of tension, a little bit of competitiveness and you know, what competition's supposed to be. And I feel like some of them aren't really going, don't in, uh, do not do that route, which, you know, I feed off. So I, I like to create a little bit of frostiness between everyone, um, which is fun. Um, but, you know, I like Daniel Stahl and Simon Pettis and the guys I got one and two, um, I'm good mates with and stuff. And I'm good mates with a lot of the guys. Um, but when we're competing, like everyone knows that at the end of the day, like it's you versus me and, um, you know, we, I enjoy having that frosty side of things. So um, where I can, I try and, you know, throw a little bit of banter and see how people react and have a bit of fun around, you know, on that side of things. Um, and I wish that it created a bit, like, I wish there was more tension between, like, you know, say for Gatlin and Bolt, like so many people watched 2016 because of that rivalry and same with 2017. Like it was, you know, blue versus red, like, you know, there was pick a side and same with like McGregor versus, Habib, like just that kind of um, division, pick a side. Yeah. Um, and I feel that, you know, athletics could definitely utilize that and, and market that that way. So people are more interested in it because that's why people love team sports because you get behind someone and it's you versus someone else. Like, um, so I definitely enjoy the, the tension. Like, it, I think it makes it much more fun and makes you perform everyone perform better like holds everyone to a better standard you good you know a little bit of plenty of talk in the nrl at the moment with the the sledging going on you, 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 know, yeah. you could pull out a few sledges and stuff at um at the next one yeah like i mean i i don't like there's i feel like there's two, there's different types of sledging i don't i don't aggressively sledge at all um i just have like like banter sledging yeah. um like I'm good mates with um, Sam Mattis, who's one of the American disc throwers. And I remember it like world youth, uh, world champs in 2019. I remember he walked in. He's the shortest in the final. Right? He was by far. He's like six three. Um, yeah, imagine being the shortest and being six three. Anyway, and I he walks in. Just just for like, everyone. Sorry, just for everyone to know. Like how you said you're 130 kilos. How tall are you? Six five. Six five. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, but like you know, Daniel Styles six six eight. Goodies is six nine. Um, Christian Check was six eleven. Like, there's some bit like big boys. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So and like Sam walks in at six three, and I just yell, "Imagine what it's like to be shortest in the comp." <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, he knew I was joking, but yep. you could also just see him realize that, and you know, just stuff like that. Even though we're mates, like it's still like you know he threw chat back, but it's like, are you joking? Are you serious? Yeah. Like just that little bit of back and forth and. Um, even just like muck around sledges. I remember we did Doha um, uh, in 20, like they're soft sledges. It's nothing crazy, but it makes them think about something else other than the comp. But I remember like we were in qualifying and one of the guys that I was competing against, just too friendly, wouldn't stop talking. And I was like, dude, just stop talking to me. Like we're in a major comp. Like I don't, I hate this. 
overly friendly stuff. Like we're competing, we're competitors. And, um, and I was just like, I kind of stopped listening and it's in Doha, right? So like one of the hottest places on earth and, you know, dry and just never rains. Right. I go, mate, you know, I reckon it's supposed to rain tonight. And he goes, what? I said, yeah, like two, like a couple of minutes, the forecast that's going to like pour down with rain. Anyway, and I just stood up and walked off and he's sitting there like looking around and like trying to figure out what's going on. So like just like little fun stuff like that, I think is, you know, it keeps everyone on their toes and, you know, it, it makes you, you know, I don't like, I'm not worried about if people don't like me in the comp. Like yep. we can be mates we, after the comp, like, like footy, right? Everyone yeah. hates each other on the field, but everyone after goes and has a beer and like has a joke around and laughs about it. Um, and I feel like, our sport can utilize that so much more and create that tension to the, to make everyone lift because it does make you lift. Like you don't want to lose to someone who's chatting at you. Like, no. and it, it's, you know, it's that you versus me kind of mentality. So I try and create a little bit more of that to, to make the sport and everyone just step up and lift the standards a bit. So, and you know, it makes them think they don't want to, you know, that chat to, to get out to the media and that's why you lost. You know, so yeah, uh, so exactly. It that's makes them I mean. sort of pump up. Yeah, yeah, agree. And we've spoken. I tell you what, there's definitely a couple of times where I've, um, like boys haven't thrown well just because they were just like so confused at what I said. Yeah, like it's it's just stuff like that. Like it's you know, they everyone needs to come ready kind of thing. That's what we spoke about, like a little bit off, like Australian dry humor that um. You know, a lot of Mate, people Euro, don't. Yeah, go, Europeans do not get it. They're yeah. so literal. So you can just play with their know, head they, so much. Yeah, exactly. Even just cracking a normal Australian joke, most Europeans will sit there for 10 minutes trying to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> One of the ones so, I read in Rugby League, because obviously they're talking about sledging a fair bit at the moment, was um, uh, someone said, oh, you know, your teammates are right about you. You are an F-wit. And I was like, yeah. that just makes, you know, I think one of them said um, he didn't speak to his other teammates for like two weeks. So like throwing that out there to a to another discus throw, like, oh, yeah, the other guys are right about you. You're, a, you know, something like that is yeah, would play yeah. on their mind because they wouldn't get, yeah, they wouldn't get that humor. Yeah, see, like I, like I don't pull any of that stuff. Like I don't get overly, like I don't get aggressive. It's just more like, you know, I, for, for an example, like you know, when you're sitting in a room and everyone's laughing and you don't know what's happening, but you're like, oh, ha, ha like, yeah, kind of trying to work out what's going on. It's like, you know, it's kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, in other sports, it's way more aggressive. Um you know, talking about people's mums or partners or, you know, like basically making you feel like everyone's turned against you. And like, you know, it's much, they're in a much more aggressive sport. So they kind of have a, that much more intensity about it. Um, and I don't like, I don't want to ever go to that level. Um, but yeah, like, and I think the other thing with it, like, especially with sledging, you know, when people are just full blown, like aggressions, throwing sledge at you, people then realize you're sledging me and then it kind of isn't effective because they know that you're just trying to get under their skin and yep. usually it's just works it actually works against the, the sledger whereas if people are confused in what's going on and trying to like oh are you my mate or aren't you or like whatever it's like oh like that's when they get frazzled that's when people like don't understand um let's uh jump on your tokyo experience um you know no fans in the stadium how how was that was it um challenging or no no real difference to you Nah, like look at the end of the day if you if you're a real competitor and like you you're in it to compete and do your best like it doesn't matter whether it's a hundred thousand people or three people like you should be able to step up when it counted 
Um, and you could definitely tell people that got deflated because of the fact there was no crowd. Um, but, you know, it was disappointing, but it, well, I was fine. Like, I still enjoyed my time and it was still a fun comp and it was still very, very competitive, like one of the best standards that, that we've had. Um, and, yeah, like, I just feel that if you can't compete when it counts, when you're doing the wrong things. Mate, explain uh, what was going on with your zipper. It, uh, it caught a lot of <laughs> attention every time you come out. You needed to adjust it and... Yeah, no, well, so the, the bodysuit was hot. Like, it was because obviously Tokyo is a very humid place. So it was hot and like quite sweaty. So, you know, I kind of just unzipped it for a little bit of um, breathing space and, um, you know, let my boobs breathe a bit. Um, but yeah, like, I, yeah, it just kind of took off. Every, I think after the zipper in the intro, everyone was like, then just watching for the zipper. Like, does he undo it? Does he not? Yep. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to um, create so much chat about it, but yeah, it ended up going pretty well for me. So yeah, it's, it was more of a heat thing, but um, yeah, I think from some of the chats that I've had, people are definitely expecting it the next competitions when I'm wearing a bodysuit. So oh, I think I might have to bring it back. We've talked about a bit like um, another way to, to get, the fans excited for the intros when you're walking out is to um, get some WWE theme music. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Get some smokes, yeah, like lightings and stuff. Well, some like it's an like at the end of the day, we might be like high performance sport, but it's still about it's still about providing entertainment, and especially in um, you know my personality is to have a laugh and enjoy it, and and but still obviously compete to the best of my ability, and I. You know, I wasn't trying to show off when I wasn't trying to do this, but I also knew to myself, everyone's watching from home. No one's here. Everyone's watching from home. You know, give them something to watch. Like, get them entertained. Make them enjoy the comp. And I knew that my personality would hopefully do that anyway, so I just let that go. I wasn't I wasn't too serious. I know that I compete better when I'm relaxed um, and... And it's same at training. Like I'm, I'm joking around, and then I, I switch in before my throws. Focus on that for you know, forty seconds to a minute while I'm throwing, analyze, and then go back to relaxing, and then just you know kill that time between. Because if you switch on twenty four seven, like you're just going to drain yourself and you'll die by the end of the comp. So, um, yeah, like it's entertainment. Yeah, people are watching to be entertained. You know, they obviously want to see. But the other thing with discus is a lot of people don't know what's good and what's bad. So if you can give some entertainment and people something for some uh, for people to enjoy and um, you know be interested in more, then of course they're going to watch more. So um, you know that wasn't my intention with all those things, but I think that it just worked really well anyway. So no, it was good to see. Like um, you you know you'd get naysayers if if you didn't compete very well that oh you should be focused on you know training and not doing that sort of stuff. But the majority of Australians watching that loved it. It was, um, we, we definitely oh, mate, saw well, our humour. Yeah, exactly. And like, I've learned very quickly, um, like I've always known it, but I've learned very quickly over the last couple of days about how you can't please everyone. Um, and, you know, f- you know, for example, like Fox Sports put up this article about, must be nice about the, um, you know, Rowan Browning and Liz Clay and a couple others that have gone to Europe to, um, to overseas. Anyway, and it's saying about how like they're flaunting their European holiday while we're all stuck in quarantine. And I'm like, guys, they got, they're having two days off before they're going to continue to compete, which is their job. Um, and I just commented like, I was just like, yeah, imagine training 10 years for one competition and then to relax. Saw that. 
um, than like laughing anyway. And like everyone agreed with it. Um, but there was a lot of people that were like, oh, we're stuck in lockdown and blah, blah, blah. Like you guys are insensitive and stuff. It's like, no, mate, like this is our job. That's what they're doing. And like, we're not saying that what you guys are going through is hard, but I feel like it was, it was just kind of a bit harsh to aggressively sledge, um, the Olympians that were continuing to compete because that was their choice. And just assuming that it's all paid for, like, mate, they're, they're at a lot of risk of, you know, having to pay a lot of money just to get home, but they wanted to continue to compete while they're in good form. So, you know, you only get one chance of competing, so you might as well live it. So yeah, I've learned very quickly that no matter what you do, someone will hate you for it. So it's just kind of continue on with whatever. And yeah, like you said, like, you know, if I didn't compete well, the hundred percent there would have been so many comments oh well if he didn't if he didn't do his zipper uh if he stopped mucking around with his zipper and stopped joking with the camera he would have thrown well it's just like you know but because i did well like yeah they, everyone's like oh that was so cool like yeah you know everyone's hyping it up so it's it's so situational based so you can't it, as athletes you just can't read into it and you know because we're like in the media so much it's kind of you can't it's everyone sees it so you're so up for criticism it's incredible as long as you're comfortable with it and and uh you you compete well with it that's um it's entirely up to you so i'd I'd love to see love to see more of it just quickly back on your on your suit now probably a little bit personal but we have to ask um you need to be truthful here is there any uh blood flow manipulation going on 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 your suit before you go out um oh mate um I don't know if I can disclose that publicly, you know. <laughs> I saw someone. I saw someone <laughs> no, ask, and I'm like, no, nah, I've got, I've got to ask because, like, hey, I would, I, you know, there's no way I'm going out there in, in tights without, uh, you know, being a little bit prepared. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be under the weather, to say the least. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, um, no, I didn't have any manipulation. I'll say that, um, but I mean, sometimes, it, you know, sometimes in some weather climates, you might have to. <laughs> Some of those uh, European places in um, in winter, but uh, yeah, mate, bring a hot water bottle with you yeah. or something, <laughs> or pack pack a sock. Um, yeah, mate. What does what um, talk about you like you you're peaking right before the Olympics? What does your season look like? Is it and and your off season? Like, what do you? I suppose just like a little bit of a rundown. Like, when are you preparing? Like, what months are you preparing? What months are you coming off in an off season, having a break? Yeah, so to give like I'll try and keep it as simple as simple as possible because like it, I mean if if you saw the um the podcast with my coach like it's quite in depth and very specific but in in general so like say for example for next season right like we'll compete um our major comps will be in July next year so World Champs and then Com Games um so the way that we'll prep is you know I've got these two weeks off and then two weeks. Um, of like two day a week gyms, just like doing some hypertrophy work, um, high reps, just getting my body back into moving and doing weights. And then from there, it's basically four week blocks of um, strength progression. So we just call it general prep. So strength progression, working on smaller stuff like um, uh, strength development, power development, uh, mainly strength development. Um, we'll also go into mass development. So like I'll still try and focus on muscle mass progression um, and getting a bit bigger. And just working on like body composition, a lot of high rep um, throwing work. So just like a lot of overweights getting specifically strong. And that'll go until probably like, say, I'd say about December, uh, between December and January, probably maybe even late January. 
And then we had our like national domestic season, which, you know, we don't put huge focus on because if we do double peaks, it makes the second peak much more, uh, much less predominant. Um, so we focus on, you know, we lighten it off a bit and we're still doing like development through that, but we'll do, we'll add in more power work. Um, so less weight, um, more focus on like speed of the bar, um, jumps work, like high velocity jumps, sprints, underweight throwing, like just focus on moving fast. And then probably around, I would say May, um, is when we then we go into like our peak competition stuff where we start to progress. So a peaking phase for us takes between, I'd say six to 12 weeks, um, depending on what phase, how we ended the last phase of like our power development. And then it's just basically about like peak speed, um, you know, moving say like 80% RM at like maximum velocity. So um, if we're getting like real technical, it's about like mass muscle recruitment. So like you're trying to find the best weight that makes your whole body and neural system fire collectively um, because that's what you're trying to do when you're throwing. And then it's just simple throws. So like when you're throwing, it's um, good quality technical stuff, but it's very hard, high pace, like you're competing, going for your best throw kind of stuff. And then, you know, the last two weeks is very light, very minimal work, just focusing on when I throw, it's really aggressively and high pace, and that's about it. What's um, what's the is it Unisard or Universard? Is that uh, a competition? Oh, Univers, the um, that's the World Youth, uh, sorry, the World Uni Championships. So, um, yeah, so like you have to be um, studying at uni to be able to compete. Right. Um, okay. At that, um, so like I could still compete, but I decided not to because I won the last one, and I was kind of like. I don't need to do that anymore because we have to really like fork out a bit of money to go to those. Yep. Um. I don't, I don't, um yeah. I, I read about um the you, your hammer throw. Like obviously your um silver medal set the com games for for hammer throwing. That's I got that information right. Have I? Yep. Yep. Um. You still. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. Do you still do that as well? Yeah, so I, I retired from Hammer for the time being in um, 20, 2018 after Com Games. So the, the, a lot of people ask me why. So the focus was um, it's very difficult to make money from Hammer in athletics at the moment because of the fact it's not in our Diamond League circuit, um, which is where you predominate your good money. Um, so it was mainly financial because I do want to make a living out of this. Um, and you know, so I decided to focus on the sole one. Um, which was discus and discus is in, in diamond leagues. And, you know, so like I'm in a position where I can do that now. Um, yeah. So that was life, but no, I, I do miss hammer though. Like it was really enjoyable. Com games was fun. Um, I definitely will go back to it because that's what I, like I've still got stuff that I want to do with that. Um, I do want to break 80 in, in, in hammer and stuff like that. So just probably in a few more years, I reckon. Nice. Um, Brizzy 2032. So obviously now yep. you're you're um, really not at your your peak of um, your career. You're sort no. of just just starting out. Is you know you're looking at uh, Brisbane thirty two as where you're really going to be peaking. Uh, I would say so. I think so. Like I'll be twenty eight in Paris. Um, so Paris and LA will be probably my main ones yep. um, where I'm at absolute peak like physical form. So your peak usually between twenty eight and thirty two. Um, and 33, you can still hold out, like you can still hold it pretty well until you're um, um, 35, 36, but you start to kind of drop off from there on in. 
Um, but yeah, like the, the focus is to still compete at Brisbane, um, whether I'm in a medal chance, who knows? Um, but if I can look after my body enough and make five Olympics, I'll be the first track and field athlete to ever make five Olympics. And it'd be pretty amazing to, to finish. I would like, if, if that all goes to plan, I would retire the second after my last throw at, at Brisbane. So, um, yeah. With what will be your third gold medal in discus by that time? Yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Mate, uh, we'll be Let's all, so. we'll be all backing you, um, over the next few Olympics anyway, and, and all in between as well. So, mate, I've got no, a, got a fair few, uh, fan questions, which we'll run through to, to end this. Um, <laughs> choose a player in the NRL that you'd like to run it straight with. Tommy Burgess. Oh, Tommy yeah. Burgess. I already called him out on it, so yeah. might as well. Let's. Uh, I'll ask him. We'll um, we'll we'll post this up and <laughs> and see see how we go, mate. Uh, That'll go down well. Yeah, he's a big boy too. He's a he's a solid boy. Yeah. He's he's very solid. I, I thought I did well with the uh, your head on his body. I thought it uh, sort of fit well. Oh, mate, that, that cropping was great. His <laughs> comments back too was hilarious. Yeah. I love that. That was so funny. Mate, most chalky milk you've drank in one sitting? Um, Three litres in probably less than an hour. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I felt so bad the next day. <laughs> so bad. That is rough. Mate, um, what is your go-to drink for Mad Monday? Um... Mate, I can't go past the gin. I just love gin. Gin and tonic, or uh, yeah, gin and tonic. Gin squash, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you guys a have like a? Of, uh, sorry, yeah. you go. Oh no, I was just gonna say like gin, um, like a gin and tonic, tonic with uh, lemon or um, any decent garnish that like gives it a little bit more flavour. You know. Do you guys have like a, a mad Monday after the Olympics or? No, nah, but we have a mad after party after nationals. Um, so when we have our Australian nationals um, at the end of our season, we usually have a big um, like athlete after party. Um, so that's kind of like our mad Monday, but it's usually a Sunday. <laughs> Silly Sunday. Silly Sunday. Mate, Max Ellis, I'm not sure if you, you know that name, but he said he went to school with you and uh, at, yep. lunch, at lunch you would launch apples. What's your uh, apple launching record? You throw, I do remember throw it over so, a few school buildings or so yeah we um so what we used to do was um so that's from grandma so like we'd go to the dining hall and everyone would grab apples bananas whatever and anyway we would used to grab all the rotten apples because there was a lot that were just absolutely cooked anyway and me and one of my mates mitchy phillips we would used to walk back from there to the boarding house and there was this one bin that was probably i'd say 80 meters away when we were walking past and it was it was always a competition who could hit it. We probably went like probably went five or so nights where we just missed and whatever. And then yeah, we finally got a few and just like landed on top. But the worst part about it was the first one that we hit, one of the um, one of the uh, not not the principal like one of the higher ups, one of the teachers and stuff found us, copped a full lot of flack for it. Didn't end up too well from it, but it was worth it in the end. We ended up hitting it, so that was good. <laughs> Did, did your parents have a question why you t- were taking like 10, 10 apples to school every day? Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> they just thought I was being real healthy, you know. <laughs> Mate, um, plenty of questions around you being Starkey's roommate. What's what's the best thing about yep. uh, Brandon Stark? Um, I wouldn't... He's clean. He's definitely clean, keeps you up the standard. I'd probably... 
good chat. Loves he's he's definitely got good chat. Um, probably the worst thing I would say though, um, he's very good at everything. Like don't verse him at cards, Mario Kart, um, anything that requires moderate skill because he's somehow a freak at it all. Just an all-round good sportsman. He's just like he's just good at everything. It's it's it actually kills me sometimes. Talented family too, so yeah. But we'll finish on a uh, a really really good note. Um, talk about the feeling of hitting your PB in the final when it mattered. Um, I'm not gonna lie, extremely frustrating because so obviously I was five centimeters off, but the throw that I did, um. I still felt like I had a 68 and a half sitting there, um, which was, it's kind of eating at me. Um, Cause if you ever watch any of my majors in the past, like, you know, when I've got onto one, cause it's a quite a big, like ex- expel of, um, of words and yelling and stuff just in like pure relation of that. I finally found that throw and I didn't have that. Um, so yeah, it was frustrating, but it was also like, I still know that I competed really well and I was really happy with what we did and I confirmed everything that we've been doing in training. It was just frustrating that I couldn't connect that that one, like the one that could have changed everything. Um, but no, it's 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 very complicated feeling at the moment. Yeah, look, you know, it's, it's probably something that not us, you know, average Joes will ever experience, but um, we loved watching you throughout the Olympic Games uh, we can't wait to see you at uh, Paris uh, 2024 um, and everything in between. You've you sort of, for me, you know, a bit of a an, an icon now in, in around um, athletes. So, I mean, I really appreciate your time jumping on today and, and wish you well and everything in the future. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for, um, thanks for getting me on. I love a, love a good chat and, you know, definitely this is something different and I know that, like, it's good to have my footy background still be here and, being able to chat just in sport in general and be like not just the athletics guy, like being able to chat about everything else in between. So thank you. No worries, mate. We'll uh, we'll get you on again um, down the track. Can yeah, we'll, we'll uh, talk talk some different stuff. So again, mate, I appreciate no, your time and, and wish you all well. No, thanks, thanks, mate.